Welcome back, John and Courtney, to what is uh, episode three of the Let's Talk Packaging podcast. Excited to have you guys back on. We talked last time all about polymailers and the circular lifespan of a polymailer and why that's important and why should our distribution care about it. And we're back here today uh, bringing you guys back in uh, to talk about some of our um, long-term goals and, and what we have in store for our customers long-term in terms of what we are looking to align ourselves with to make our impact as a company significant. Starting out, will both of you introduce yourselves again for those that may have missed last episode, maybe <laughs> don't know uh, who you are, what you do, or why your opinion matters on anything. Uh, Courtney, why don't we start over so with you? So my name's Courtney. Um, Courtney Boshaw, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why. I just said my first name. Um, and I'm the sustainability coordinator. Um, I've been at PAC for almost two years. And I'm John Bartell, the vice president of sustainability, and I've been with PAC since 2001. Jumping into the conversation at hand here, um, PAC is now in a, a truly a worldwide company. It used to be called PAC National uh, until the late 2000s. We, we changed our name to PAC Worldwide. Yeah, we changed our name mid early 2000s, maybe 2006. Yeah. As we expanded into Asia. Yeah, that's right. We expanded into Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been in Mexico since um, the late 90s, yes. I, I believe. Yep. And, uh, and so technically worldwide then, but we caught up to things around 2006, changed our name to PAC Worldwide. And we're now in Malaysia, Mexico, the US, and uh, the UK. Yes. That's where our footprint is. Will you guys talk about what what does that footprint look like for us in terms of how we approach sustainability? Um, sustainability is not just an American thing. Yeah. Um, even though we are headquartered in the U.S. and the majority of our manufacturing facilities are in the U.S., we, just like it, we look at our manufacturing processes, um, our sustainability initiatives are a worldwide thing. And so we aim for continuity across the board with all of our facilities. So whether you are in Phoenix, Arizona, or Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, or San Juan del Rio, Mexico, or in the UK, um, our goal is continuity in regards to sustainability um, from a manufacturing standpoint and from a product standpoint. On our last episode, John, you talked about wanting to be the leader in sustainability for plastic manufacturers. What does that look like not in the U.S.? I mean, not all of our competitors are only in the U.S. Most of them are international as well. But in our other locations, where do we fit in with that conversation in terms of sustainability compared to local law and local recycling habits? Yeah, and so... Uh if you talk about local law or local recycling habits, it's different across the world. Mm -hmm. It's different in cities, municipalities, different countries. Um, we have uh, what we call front of the house recycling programs at PAC. We also have back of the house recycling programs at PAC. Can you, can you elaborate that? What is... Uh, yeah. What does that look like? So, How are they different? So front of the house, for example, um, in Mexico um, versus the U.S., uh, in the U.S., we have separate bins. So by front of the house, I mean the, the office, so not the manufacturing uh, floor. Um, so in the office in the U.S., we have an area where you would put your recyclables, so your paper, um, your bottles, your cans. Uh, in Mexico, for example, they don't have that. 
because the the infrastructure is a little different. Um, they're starting to get into that more, but that's just not something that they have set up. In so front of the house being almost consumer level recycling. For, for, Correct. Right. Yep. And back of the house being more of an industrial approach to the recycling process. Correct. Perfect. What does uh, so implementing that must be challenging then. Yes. What does what do some of those challenges look like, and how have we found solutions amidst those challenges? Yeah. So the challenges. I mean, if we look at once again the U.S. versus Mexico, um, it's not just accepting the the first answer you get, which is, oh, sorry, we don't have the infrastructure. We're not set up. Okay. Well, let's dig a little deeper and work a little harder, and let's find somebody that will actually come to our offices in Mexico and pick up the recycling. If we separate it, let's find somebody that will do that. Um, and, and a lot of these ideas um, come from our sustainability champions that we have installed at all of our plants. Um, so an idea that goes along with recycling and in front of the house um, came from one of our Mexico facilities, which was, um, can we put together a program where we're actually recycling bottle caps? So bottle caps from like a plastic soda bottle. And we kind of scratched our head. It just sounded very interesting because we don't do that in the U.S. Usually in the U.S., they ask you to put the cap on the bottle and recycle it. Down there, there's actually value for the bottles. And so people will not recycle those. They'll take them back to a store. But the caps themselves are part of a program. So with this bottle cap um, return program, the more bottle caps you collect, it goes towards a, a charitable organization um, that I want to say is for cancer or something. And so it's for like chemotherapy treatment, I think. Yeah. Wow. What has um, we before we started t chatting here on the podcast, we were talking a little bit about you know what we wanted to talk about and uncover a little bit for um, the sake of our partnerships and what has some of that looked like? It could be in the U.S., could be otherwise, um, in terms of places that we've aligned ourselves with that we can aim for our impact to be bigger than just ourselves. Can you talk a little bit into what organizations we've recently started working with in that manner and what organizations um, in the past have been really successful that we found a voice with that we found an impact for our customers with um, in terms of providing a better avenue for them to either recycle on just on a very basic consumer level um, or implementing, you know, post PIR or PCR into our products uh, for our sales team to be able to introduce to the distribution reps and, and into the market? Sure. I can start and then you can jump in. Um, so, I mean, you kind of uh, hit on it. Collaboration is huge. Um, one company can't just do anything. And so I think everyone really in the industry, not just the packaging industry, but anyone really in the world has discovered that. Um, so I can kind of go over the couple of organizations we've signed on to recently. So one of them is the U.S. Plastics Pact. Um, and that was a collaboration by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, uh, the Recycling Partnership, and the World Wildlife Fund. Um, so, oh gosh, I can't remember how many pacts there are around the world, but it's, it's a global organization. Um, the U.S. is the most recent one that they've developed. Um, so the goal with that really is just 
to collaborate to create a fully circular economy and to keep um, packaging out of the environment and keep it in the economy. Another organization that we've recently joined um, is we've signed on to Project Data Ten, which is a Walmart-led initiative. Um, and their goal is to avoid 1 billion metric tons, which is also a data ton, of greenhouse gases from the global value chain by 2030. Um, so we've signed on as a packaging manufacturer um, and we've committed our own SMART goal. And that is that we will make all of our packaging uh, recyclable, reusable, or compostable by uh, 2030. In addition, uh, we'll have at least 10% recycled content across the board for our uh, stock PJs and AJs. Poly jackets and mail jackets. Yes. For, for, for those uh, so, not in the know. Yes, but repeat those last two lines because I think it's 2025. Oh, is it 2025? Yep. And then for this specific initiative, uh, it's 30% recycled content for our stock air jackets and poly jackets, which oh. is different than our Ellen MacArthur. Ellen MacArthur. Pledge. Okay. Yep. A um, lot, lot of different overlapping <laughs> uh, goals, right? Between you, once you start adding partnership and you know alliances and packs, there's going to be a lot of overlapping goals. Yeah, so Project Gigaton's um, SMART goals that Courtney mentioned, um, those overlap with our Ellen MacArthur Foundation goals as well, uh, which are which is to have all of our products uh, reusable, recyclable, or compostable by 2025. For the Ellen MacArthur Pledge, uh, we're pledging that all of our products will use at least 10% recycled content. We feel like we'll blow that out of the water. Um, just based on what we're doing today with, with our current recycled content. Um, Courtney had mentioned Project Gigaton, the Walmart-led initiative. Um, our SMART goals for that are um, almost mirror Ellen MacArthur, uh, 2025, reusable, recyclable, or compostable. Um, and we pledge that our stock products will have at least 30% recycled content in them. With a goal like 2025, all the Ellen MacArthur pledge being all all things recyclable, postable, et cetera. What's our plan for a product like that? Or, or how is that pledge going to affect how we look at new products as we bring new innovative products into the market? Um, how do we coincide our goals to grow and develop for our customers and also what we have with our existing products? Yeah, so we're creating these goals that um, we want to be stretch goals, but also attainable goals. So just challenging ourselves uh, quite dramatically. Um, for the Ellen MacArthur uh, pledge goals for 2025, um, currently, or as of 2019, which is the last year you can report, 78% of our products currently reach that goal of recyclable, reusable, or compostable. So we feel like we've got a good um, jump on things but we also feel like 2025 will be here, uh, gosh, in, in the snap of your fingers. Yeah. Um, and so we have to uh, continue to audit and look at all of our products that we currently have and then also products that we're creating. Uh, and so and a really important part of this is keeping in mind um, the design of our products. So we need to make sure we're designing for recyclability or for reusability or for compostability. So that's future-facing products. Um, current products 
that 22% that we're not there yet on. So one of the products um, that uh, we changed in 2019 was our Cool Pack product. Um, at that time, it was multi-layer, so it was polyethylene and a metallized film. Um, we were able to come up with a product that is all polyethylene, which makes it recyclable. So when we report for Ellen MacArthur next year, that 78 is immediately going to jump up into the 80s, which is great. But we still have a couple other products that we need to solve by 2025. Sure. Um, one are pouches that primarily are used for uh, food and also cannabis. Um, and the other is our craft air jacket, which is multi-material. We've got bubble on the inside, paper on the outside. So with that one, um, that's a harder, harder beast because sure. you're not going to be able to separate those two. And so what we're doing is working with our business development team and engineering team to come up with an alternative, an alternative that will be 100% recyclable. Yeah. And that, that'd be awesome to see out there and be able to uh, introduce into our market. John, I've heard you talk about a few different large-scale hopes for recyclability, sustainability that are uh, maybe not imminent, but we are actively trying to be involved with the process and development of. Do you mind touching on what those look like and maybe at the very end of what those look like, what will that look like for our customers long-term? Yeah, so I think this goes back to what Courtney mentioned earlier, which is collaboration and the fact that PAC by itself can't impact change completely. We can help with it, but we need collaboration. Collaboration with organizations, collaboration with our distributors, with our end users, with consumers. And so uh, a couple different things that we're working on um, collaboratively is the U.S. Plastics Pack that Courtney talked about, which really the main focus is infrastructure for recycling with some really ambitious moonshot goals to accomplish by 2025. Some people would look at these goals and say, that's never going to happen. You're crazy. But by collaborating, um, the hope is that we'll be able to um, accomplish these goals. Uh, another one that goes back to, once again, recycling infrastructure, which is a big issue here in the U.S., is a uh, initiative we're part of called the Holy Grail 2.0, starting in Europe and is still in Europe. Um, there's over 100 companies and organizations that have signed on with this. And the goal is to find a solution for curbside recycling for flexible plastics. And so that's by using new technology, new scanners by a German company called Tomra, new uh, digital coding by a company called Digimark, where they will put an invisible barcode on a product. So as that product is going through a MRF, these scanners pick up the barcode and they sort it properly. So instead of everything coming into a MRF, it's flexible packaging, it's garbage, it would actually be kicked out to the proper channel. So sorted correctly, it would say, this is identified as an HDPE, and then you're getting all the data from that as well. So PAC could know exactly how many of our packages were recycled, where they were recycled, right? So in, instead of this recycling rate hovering around 9%, we think with these new technologies, we think with these new collaborations and initiatives that we can get it quite higher, and we need to, to get that rate uh, much higher to really keep plastic where they belong, which is in the circular economy, not in the environment. When you think about change in the recycle process that allows for polymailers to be recycled properly, increasing that 9%, do you see that more as a 
change that needs to happen more so in the manufacturing and consumer level of recycling or more in the way we recycle at MRFs, at other facilities that recycle products, which side of things need to change? And you might have a better term for it than I, than I do, uh, but which side needs to change more? Or do you really see it as a 50-50 partnership for them to take a step and us to take a step at the same time? I don't think you can put a percentage on it. I think we have to look at all types of recycling. So not only mechanical, which would be our traditional um, but also chemical recycling. And so if we could make um, huge leaps and advances in both of those, then from the manufacturing side of things, um, you're going to see that recycling rate increase. And hopefully at the same time, from the consumer side, we'll see education increase and that recycling rate increase. So I, I want to cap off our conversation on sustainability. As a company, as a plastics manufacturer, with just some applicable advice to our distribution reps or even our purchasing reps at a, a customer who may be trying to glean some more information from the conversation of what can we do to be more sustainability or why should we be more sustainable? And so what is some applicable advice? John, you have sales experience. Courtney, I know you've been out uh, on sales calls and talking with customers as well. Um, what conversations should be happening to encourage the process of approaching packaging with a more sustainable attitude forward? Well, I can start. Um, uh, one of my favorite things, and this was actually um, taught to me by John early on, is um, like one of the best things you can do is to tell that story. Um, to really like relate to your customers that you have the sustainable story. So something that um, we will tell customers who are worried about, um, let's say putting more recycled content into their bags and it's not aesthetically pleasing, you know, there's some discoloration, is that you are able to take that as an opportunity to tell the story and say, hey, this isn't perfect, but look at what we are doing to help. I know sometimes you see that where whites turn to off-whites and sometimes you see gelling in the film where you see little specks of recycled content in them, right? So, so it, there's, yeah, a story mm -hmm. to be told that given the right opportunity, a customer can say, hey, look, you know, what you see here, here's evidence. You know, this is our story. This is what we're trying to approach with. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would echo exactly what Courtney said. Uh, as the manufacturer of these bags, the mailer is a billboard opportunity. And so you are putting your brand on that billboard and here's another great opportunity for you to add your environmental message, right? And so there's a reason why this mailer looks the way it does because we care about the environment and we've got 30% recycled content in this mailer. That's just one simple tagline. Uh, take it a step further. Talk to our distributors. Talk to our end users about joining groups, you know, promoting the how to, how to recycle label. That is something that educates your consumer on if that product is recyclable or not and where they can recycle it. And so everybody has an opportunity to go on the sustainability journey and spread this message with something as simple as a tagline. Or joining an organization and and I would say to our partners to our distributors look into collaborating 
look into joining these organizations. From an individual, you know, let's say I work for a distributor and I don't necessarily feel comfortable engaging with the company as a whole on what we can do, you know, let's change all these things. So what can I individually do to learn more? What resources would you recommend I seek out to learn more, whether it be uh, resources online or uh, organizations that I can collaborate with individually? Yeah, so I would say talk to your sales manager at Pack talk yeah, at Pack yeah. Worldwide. Um, they should be well schooled in what we're doing from a sustainability standpoint. If they're not, um, your sustainability team here at Pack is open and available. Um, we want to help everybody along with that journey. If you go to pack.com, it'll tell you about our, all the organizations that we're involved with, um, showing their le- logos. Um, I believe there are hyperlinks as well, but I'm not sure. Hyperlinks yeah, there, there sounds are. like something from like 1995 <laughs> on the World Wide <laughs> Web. Uh, so go to the, go to um, Pack Sustainability section on, on pack.com. Um, look into organizations that we're part of that, that I'm happy to tout. Uh, Sustainable Packaging Coalition is a, a wonderful resource um, for anything related to sustainable packaging. And it's not just focused on plastics, it's all packaging. Um, the Association of Plastic Recyclers is another great organization. How to Recycle is another great organization. If you guys really wanna put your money where your mouth is, look into the Ellen MacArthur 2025 pledge. Yeah, that's yeah. terrific. Um, John Courtney, thank you both for joining us for both episodes that we've done thank for you. sustainability. Thank you for having uh, us. I'm sure this won't be the last time we'll have you on as this conversation evolves. And we I can, don't know. We can, yeah, we, we can laugh together once again. Yeah, well, I, I think we're all safe here. I think we're good. Uh, but thank you both, and I uh, appreciate your time. Thanks, Donald. Thank you. Thank you.